all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But some people are just better at not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. This is a really good conversation. If you're a fighter, considering fighting, training martial arts, or have some big thing coming up in the future that you are worried about or wanting to do and putting off doing, you got to hear this podcast. Elliot, the Dragon Compton, is a professional martial artist. Uh, he is a Muay Thai fighter and a kickboxing fighter, kickboxer, and he's currently signed to one championship right now uh, to fight literally the best in the world at his sport. He has had, I think, about almost 60 fights, uh, 46 of them wins, most of them scary knockouts, and uh, he's fought at Lumpini Stadium even, which uh, for a Westerner, pretty much for anybody, any human that participates in the sport of Muay Thai, the end-all, be-all, ultimate achievement is to fight at Lumpini. Uh, and he was able to fight on the Saturday night show against a world-class Thai and uh, also ended up coming away with a win, a spectacular win, in fact. So Elliot has done incredibly well for himself so far in the sport, and he's only quite young, so he's got plenty more to offer. And this is an awesome conversation about what it's like to grow up training martial arts with your dad as your trainer forever <laughs> and never anyone else, uh, what it kind of takes to develop the sort of mindset that you have to push through a lot of the hard shit to get up to this kind of level of fighting, and um, some really interesting insights about how he feels when he knocks somebody out and you know, kind of going through the motions of what it's like to be a human that's a trained killer, but also a sentient human being that operates on this planet in cooperation with the rest of us. It's a very, very cool conversation. We did have to go around the corner to a cafe away from his gym when we recorded the conversation, so there's a little bit of background noise. It's not too bad. I think I have pretty much taken care of most of it, but at the very start, I was recording his microphone just a bit too loud, so for about the first two or three minutes of the conversation, it's a bit loud. His microphone's a bit distorted, but it uh, does settle itself down. I changed it about three minutes in, so... Uh, it's not like that the whole way, so sorry about that. And it was the last of our May Venture travels. I had so much fun on this month's challenge. It was a, it was a bit intense. It was definitely a bit uh, overzealous of us. I talked about this last week anyway, to go on a vacation. A vacation? God, I'm American. Uh, go on a holiday every single weekend. It broke the bank and... Uh, pressed into my sweet procrastination time. So I actually had to really do <laughs> my work when I said I was going to. That was a bit tough. But the last trip up to the sunny coast was so, so much fun. We went to the big pineapple and rode around on a train with a potential serial killer. <laughs> well, we met this guy, uh, the train conductor. I think he was mad at us because we were a bit too anxious to get on the train and we didn't obey one of the signs. And he asked us if we could read in a really sarcastic tone. And then we sort of felt like we were in trouble. And Melina's usual reaction to being in trouble is to get a bit meek and sorry. And my reaction to getting in trouble is to be mad at the person who got mad at me. 
<laughs> so it was really funny. We were like little kids. But we got on the train, and he warmed up to us. He actually ended up being really nice to us and offered to take a bunch of stupid pictures of us on the train. And at one point, he pulled up next to this, like, open pasture where they had a couple of tiny ponies and some alpaca. And he said, uh, he just jumped off the train. And he goes, hey, ladies, have a look at those horses. I'll be back in a tick. <laughs> it was almost like he was like, keep an eye on those horses so that I can do whatever scary thing I'm about to do behind you. I was a little bit worried we were going to get skinned alive, but then he came back as per normal. I think he went to go and see if he could get some food for the horses so that he could offer us to feed them, and uh, I was an asshole for judging him so badly. But then after that, I went and did karaoke, horrifically. I talked to Elliot about this, and um, yeah, did some other embarrassing and exciting things. So there you go. And of course, the five first two seconds that I've met this stranger, I just immediately tell him all my life secrets because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> anyway, so please do enjoy this conversation. Oh, yeah. Now that that's the end of May Venture. That means we have a new month. And that means the new month's challenge for the month of June is called Troon. And what we have to do is that Melina and I have to take a very good, hard look at ourselves and the bullshit inside our heads. We shall only speak, believe, and act the truth. Act the truth? Act upon the truth for the entire month of June. So that means consistently asking ourselves, why are you doing that? What's the purpose of that? What are you trying to achieve here? Are you doing this for attention? Are you doing this because it actually is important to you? Um, one thing that we're both really bad at too is assuming what other people are thinking and acting on that assumption like, oh, I think they must be mad at me so I'm going to leave them alone or, oh, I think he hates me and that's why he's not calling or whatever the fucking dumb thing is that goes on in your head. So we have to constantly, continually ask ourselves, is that the truth? Are you going to achieve your goals by staring at yourself in the mirror for 12 hours instead of fucking writing like you said you were going to. We're trying to stop our own procrastination and we're trying to stop the, the bullshit that goes on inside our own heads. Um, and in order to sort of make this measurable, we have decided to name and write down a goal each in three separate categories. So uh, one life goal, one work goal, and then a physical fitness or like a health goal. My personal goals is to meditate every night and do, why am I telling you this really? Who cares? I'm going to, I'm going to meditate and lay on my traction blocks. Okay. Every night of the week, which helps realign my spine. And I'm not watching Netflix and my new obsession with James Acaster for the entire night. Like I have been instead, I'm going to read a book. So that's it. If you would like to join in with us, uh, please do. By all means, you can send us your goals so that we can keep you accountable or you tell your friends or whatever, um, and we'll keep you posted on how we're going with ours. The main thing is, and this is a really good mental health practice just in general, anytime you hear some wacky bullshit thought come up inside your head, even if you just do it for this month, just give it a try, and that is, is that the truth? Your brain will cleverly go, well, it could be, and then this answer to that is, do you know that for sure? No, of course you don't. 
because you don't fucking know any of that nonsense that comes up inside your head. It's all fantasies and bullshit that is designed to keep you from doing the shit that you're trying to do. Everybody has doubt. Even the amazing and terrifying Elliot the Dragon Compton has doubt, and he talks about that in this conversation. So thank you again for listening. As always, thank you so much uh, to our patrons for looking after me and uh, continuing to support this podcast. You guys are fucking amazing. If you'd like to support this podcast yourself, you can do that at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Lorna Bremner, or share it to your friends, tell your friends, fucking like it on iTunes, like it on Spotify, all the things. Thank you. Talk to you again soon. Hi, Elliot. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Well, for inviting me up here to do this thing. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the drive up. Yeah, it's been so fun. We went like as I was saying to you before. It's the end of May Venture, so we had an, we had such an extreme night and um, extreme for me anyway in the sunny coast yesterday. I don't know what it is. You know, like when you go out of your hometown, you suddenly like have balls. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like I couldn't do anything. What I did yesterday, I sung karaoke last night. Yeah, right. Which is so stupid. I can't sing. I was okay. pathetic. But I felt exactly the same way I felt before a fight. Like I couldn't. I was like going to Molina. I was coming up with all the excuses in my head, like why I couldn't do it. This yeah, is a terrible yeah. idea. I'm not going to do it. And then there was a guy that went up before me, and he was real bad, yeah. real bad. And so I was you like, knew you want the worst. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. that's what I thought in my head. I was like, I can't. I can't be worse than that. So yeah. this is going to be great. That was the final push that like let me get yeah, out there right. and do it. And then I did it. <laughs> so bad. And I came back to Melina afterward and I was like, just tell me I was better than that guy. And she goes, do you want the truth or? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah, right. so fucking stupid. And then um, and we were eating dinner at like this Italian restaurant and there was like a window where the pizza, like the chefs were inside the window. So they were like in a zoo, you know, we were yeah, just yeah. sitting on the glass watching them. And the chef was real cute. And he was like looking out at us and we were looking at him. And so at the end of my meal, I just took my leftover pasta on my plate and wrote, call me. <laughs> and pasta. <laughs> Creative. <laughs> it's so funny. And he's like, I don't have your number. Like he mouthed it through the window, and so I just left my number. <laughs> oh yeah, cool. <laughs> so funny. And I was like, why? I why can't I do shit like that at home? Yeah. Because the shame and embarrassment of dealing. Because you know that if it goes pear shape, you got to go back the next week and look somebody in the eye. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. yeah. He'd be like, oh, you're that pasta psycho. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, so I came here to talk to you. I mean, always, we're always talking about motivation and fuck, man, you've done so much already in fighting. Yeah. It's, uh, where do you even begin? It's, it's been a journey. That's for sure. Yeah, man. And you've been training with your dad the whole time. Is he your, your coach from the start? Yeah. Yeah. You guys made a great video. I watched this a really cool video of that um, of you training with your dad. It was just so beautifully done. It was, was that with uh, Combat Nutrition? Was it that one? Yes, I think fight so. Fight your fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was only uh, was that March? I think we did that. Yeah, it was yeah. only recent. Yeah, it was sick, and I that I didn't really. I was thought, man, the amount of shit you guys would have to go through as a father son pair yeah. in the family together and training because yeah. training's hard work. It is. How does that go? Um, to be honest with you, it's, it, it's always been really smooth. Oh, cool. Like we, we've, never, we've never had a fallout. We've never butted heads. 
I think because we've been doing this for so long that we know what's expected of each other. Yeah. And we know what's ex- expected of ourselves. Yeah, I mean. So, um, like, we're, we're, like, anyone that knows me in my fight career knows that I'm willing to put in the hard work, even not in fight camp. Like, I, I'm always working hard no matter what. And I, obviously that work ethic has been instilled in me from him. So, and I know that if I slack, I know that he's not going to be happy. And it's uh, it's it's tough upsetting family members. So yeah. it's, a, it's that extra little bit of motivation to make sure that I'm, I'm doing the right thing. And, and I'm not just representing a gym or a group of people. I'm representing my family and our family name. And it, it, it's a legacy that we're representing, not just a couple of blokes down the end of the street that I was convenient for me to train with. You yeah. Know? Yeah, man. Yeah. And um, so how young were you when you started? I was four years old when I started training. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And all of Muay Thai for originally or? No, so I, I've trained in so many different styles of martial arts like from when I was young. It was like the, the kids class that I started at the gym that my dad trained at when, when I was young was like a uh, kind of like a hybrid of, of a bunch of things. Um, the guy that ran the gym was a fifth degree taekwondo black belt, um, and he also trained under a guy called uh, Dan Asanto, who was Bruce Lee's right hand man. Oh shit! So there was the uh, the Jeet Kune Do aspect. There was Western boxing. There was a big uh, Muay Thai influence. There was uh, grappling. There was locking. There was the Filipino martial arts with the stick and knife. So it was kind of like just a oh, bit shit. of a, a blend of everything in this uh, in the syllabus that we did. And then uh, from there, I've just kind of just traveled the world with my old man and trained in all sorts of crazy stuff. Been on the beach in the Philippines, fighting each other with stick and knives and to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, to shoot boxing, shoot wrestling, fighting at some of the, the biggest stadiums in Thailand, Muay Thai. Yeah. Now, you now fought at Lumpini, right? Yeah, I fought Lumpini Stadium. Yeah, uh, what was that like? Unreal. That was, uh, God, that was a bucket list for me. Yeah. Um, I remember going there as a kid and, uh, I remember saying to my old man, like, I want to fight here one day. And then uh, 2012, December 2nd, there it was. Damn. Yeah, we did it. Oh, yeah, it man. Cool. One by third round KO. Good Spin shit. Yeah. <laughs> Spinning elbow. Yeah, and one sick. KO is a night award. Oh, yeah, cool. sick. Yeah, that's probably oh the highlight God. of my career, I'd say. Um, yeah, I bet. Yeah, just that, that moment, especially because it was crazy leading up to that. Um and it was kind of like touch it, touch and go whether we were going to actually get the fight to happen or not. And I was in hospital the day of the fight, and I literally what from from uh, to be honest with you, I, I hate saying it, but it's from the weight cut. Yeah, was uh, it? They, they changed the weight on me at last minute, mm. so I was supposed to fight at seventy, and they changed it to sixty-seven, and it just killed me to oh make my it. And God. it was same day weigh in, and I, I made the weight, but I just could not bounce back, and I ended up uh, getting taken to hospital. And uh, they released me at an hour before doors opened at the stadium from the hospital. Oh, my God. And we went, got something to eat, and went straight to the venue. So I didn't even go back to camp. Oh, and, my God. And uh, some old man raced back to the camp before they released me, packed a bag, packed everything that I needed, mouth guard and cup pretty much. Yeah. And uh, met me back at the hospital. And then we went straight to Lumpini Stadium. Fuck. And fought. Fuck. Yeah. Was it dehydration? Yeah. Yeah. Dehydration and it just exhaustion. Um, yeah, it, it takes a lot out of you. I mean, it's one thing to think, oh, I'm just operating without water, but it's the whole chemical structure, what goes on inside your body that gets course. fucked up from yeah. that. And I, um, organ shutting down. That was the only time that I'd ever done that. Hmm. And I, I would ne- and I swore at that point I'd never do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes you've got to do, do things that you don't agree with to be able to. 
chase what it is that you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and mean, that's such a massive, yeah. a massive show, a massive place to fight. Like, you, yeah, you pretty much got to be dead if you're not going to, if you're going to pull out of that Exactly. Fight. And that's pretty much what I, what I said. Like, there's no way I'm not doing this fight. We'll, we'll make it work. And I didn't actually feel that bad during the cut. It was just, I just couldn't, it was more so once I stepped off the scales. I don't know if it was the adrenaline of, you know, like your body can do some cr- pretty crazy things when you when your mind doesn't quit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was like once I made the weight, it was like everything kind of just caught up with me. Damn. And then, uh, yeah, and the yeah. heaviness of like now we have to perform. We exactly. did that. We did the hard part. Now I have to actually now I have to go out there and fight an A class tie on the Saturday night show, co main event at Lumbini <laughs> Stadium. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, like we did it, and it was a success. And I can tick the tick the box and say that you know my dreams became my memories. You know, yeah. there's not many people that can say that, which is cool. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So, what was going on in the lead up to that fight? You were saying that it was tough. J- just that how they kept changing the weight. Oh, true. Yeah. So it was originally supposed to be 71, and we agreed 70 because they that's what they wanted. And then it was literally five days out. They came back and said it has to be at 67, otherwise no fight. Yeah, and I'd already been in Thailand for six weeks preparing. And it was like, I'm, I can't miss this opportunity now. Yeah. You know, so. Fuck, three extra kilos. Yeah, man, that'll fuck you up. Huh. Yeah. So. Yeah, I interviewed a while back um, Jordy Sullivan. He's uh, the fight dietitian. I don't know if you see him getting around yeah, on yeah, Facebook or whatever. Well. He's um He's such a cool dude, like such an intelligent kid. He's yeah. got a huge future ahead of him, I think, in what he's trying to do. And I really, really respect what he's trying to do for the sport right now. Because there, you still have a lot of legacy, you know, old school thinkers that are like, you know, fuck it, just cut the weight the old Stupid. way. Sweatsuits three days out. And it's like, what the fuck are we that's, thinking that's about? That's why you're seeing these people drop dead. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. You know, that's not what this sport's about. Hmm, you know, it's not at about... All. You know, like Nathan Corbett said it best in an interview once when people were saying about uh, weight cutting and this is it's like these young guys are coming through and they're thinking that the advantage is who can cut the most weight, but it's not. The advantage is who does the best work in the gym, who's got the superior skill set, who's got the superior will, the superior fitness and endurance. Yeah. That's, the, that's, the, that's the advantage, not who can cut the most amount of weight. Like you might be good mm. for the first round and a half, two rounds, and maybe for the first five fights of your career, but the long-term damage, and I think Geordie is dead right on this. When you look at the like the fight game or combat sports in general, where with weight cutting, there's not there's hardly any scientific studies that show the the amount of damage that's being done to the body yeah. during these like significant weight cuts. Oh. It's crazy. It's absolute. That's why I think one championship of just they are just on the ball with Yeah, they're, what doing, they're doing well, man. And that last show was sick, that wasn't was it? That was unreal. Fuck yeah. yeah. And, and the, so many upsets. It was edgy as Exactly. <laughs> and the the way they do their their weigh-in system is just a game changer. What are they doing now? So you can't cut weight with one championship. When you weigh in, you have to pass hydration tests and you have to do it two days in a row. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. so if the fights on a Friday night you have to weigh in and pass hydration tests on a Wednesday and Thursday. Wow. And if you don't, then you've got to weigh in on the Friday. And if you miss by any more than 5% of your weight, fight off. Wow. Yeah, and you have to be fully hydrated at that 5% too. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's yeah. a great thing. It's putting fighter, fighter safety first. Yeah. Uh, which I think for a long time in combat sports hasn't, for a lot of, not, uh, not everyone, but for a lot of organizations, it's not been 
priority. Mm. You know what I mean, and I, I think it really needs to change. Otherwise, this sport's going to be over before it gets started. Yeah, because it's like you know, you're sort of treated like the monkeys in the middle, just go to battle for everyone else's entertainment, and, and people are betting on you making money off of your fucking sacrifice. Exactly. And I think um, I do like as much. I feel like the UFC's kind of. A, it's just a circus, but what it did do, I think, for the sport, which is helpful, is just bring it up into such a scale that you can have superstar athletes, quote unquote, that can be treated like Olympic athletes. You know what I mean? Like that they've got enough money to be able to hire dietitians and they've brought an underground sport into a mainstream category. Now there's yeah. somewhat mainstream money floating around. Yeah. So, like you said, now that people can actually, they have the luxury of being able to afford a dietitian or a sports nutritionist. They have a doctor that can help them with their weight cut if that's what they're doing. They have they have the finance to be able to run their their career as a professional sporting career, not just two cowboys in a, sh- in a shed going, <laughs> well, I think this will work. You know yeah. what I mean? Let's hope for the best. You know what I mean? There's Now we can actually also invest money into doing scientific studies on how the human body works under stress of combat sports and things like mm. that. So I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see a completely different breed of athlete than what we've seen over the last... 15. Yeah. yeah. I talk about this all the time. I think um, I think what I find so beautiful about Muay Thai, it's one of my favorite things about the sport, and Jiu-Jitsu is the same, is that it returns you back to the animal that you're designed to be. You know, like we have come so far away from what our body's capable of because we're sedentary, we live these weird lives, trapped in cars, trapped in office spaces and stuff, and we've all forgotten how to use our body. Like, I find it amazing when I start with a brand new client. I teach the beginner classes at our gym, and it's really amazing to watch these brand new people walk into the gym who may have never done a fucking day of exercise in their life, but they thought Muay Thai looked kind of fun, so they want to lose a bit of weight or whatever. And some people come on doctor's orders to lose weight because it's that, you know, they're getting a critical position and they know they don't have the personal motivation to go to a gym or whatever. For sure. So they're thinking, oh, fuck, I'll do something fun like Muay Thai. And so I'll collect these people in front of me and it's just amazing to watch the transformation in a six-week period of people that like wouldn't even walk properly you know none of their muscles are even engaged in their legs when they're walking they're just kind of just slapping their feet in front of them and it's like imagine a cat that just like stumbled through life like just it does not happen no of course the cat knows every when it takes a step all its muscles are in alignment with themselves yeah and when you watch a good ballet dancer or a jujitsu practitioner or a muay thai fighter when you watch them move like albert tua yeah. Right now, just watching him move, it is like that is a different species. Yeah, for that sure. is a next level human being. He is so connected to the animal that he is. Yeah, it's it's actually superhuman. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Mm. Yeah, and it's cool. a beautiful thing to watch, man. So I I agree. Like I can't wait to see the future of these sports. And it's nice to I like. There's a nice nostalgia about. Like Richie, our our uh, trainer, has got tons of funny fight stories from Thailand, yeah. and it's good to look back at it and just be like, like he told us a story once that he um he went out way out into the sticks in Thailand somewhere for this fight show. His trainers drove him out there, taped his gloves on. He went in and he just kind of didn't show up for the fight. He tried, he did his best, but he was just getting the shit beat out of him, and he lost the fight. And so the trainers lost a punt ton of money on him. They yeah. were hoping he was going to win, and they just packed up the car and bailed. He still had his gloves on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't. So they were taped on him, yeah. and so he was just out in the middle of nowhere, Thailand, with his gloves taped on. He had to pay a little kid to take them. Yeah, off. I've had that before. Have you? Yeah, not not so much left there, but I like. What I, happened? I fought in Pattaya once, and uh, I ended up winning, but it wasn't 
so they put money on me to win in a different round, which I didn't know. Oh, and I God. ended up winning, and uh, they wouldn't speak to me for a two and a half hour drive back to Bangkok. Would not speak to me the whole trip. Oh my! And God. I had no idea because I was like, "What is That's the problem?" Like, yeah. So anyway, it was the next day. It, well, I thought I'll, I'll take a day off training. I just fought, and it was like seven thirty in the morning. They were banging on my door. I was like, "I just fought." They said, "Yeah, no problem. Let's go." So then I got down this, to training, and there was a line. Like every single person that was training at the gym that day got in fresh and I had to spar every single one of them fresh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. I cannot imagine. After a fight, I am a piece of shit for like five days. Yeah. I am a wreck. Oh. Yeah, wow. It, it, like it, it was good natured at the same time. Well, 50-50. <laughs> and, uh, they, were, they were obviously pissed off, but mm. it was all right. After that, then they explained, I don't know. Because the guy that I fought was trying to kill me. It was like, so I ended up knocking him out in the, sec- in the second round with a head kick. And uh, they told me, like, typical tie, round one and two, really easy. Round three, lift the pace. Round four, go for it. So I was like, okay, cool. But this tie was just trying to kill me. First mm. first round, got back to the corner. I said to my old man, I'm going to knock him out. I can't, if I don't try to knock him out, he's going to knock me out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So round two, I went out and he was throwing, like, Superman elbows at me and everything. I caught him with a spin elbow, which split him above his eyebrow, probably 12 stitches. Fuck. And I backed him up against the ropes. He kicked, and I caught, and I swept his leg out, and he jumped to try and grab onto the rope. And as he bounced back, I caught him with a head kick, Ooh. which knocked him clean out. And, oh, my uh, God. So I looked back at my corner, expecting them to, to be celebrating, and they're looking at me shaking their head. <laughs> I was like, what? And then, uh, oh, then, I, then I realized the next day, they said, in Thailand, you can't do that. Round one or two, no knockout. Damn. I, like, yeah, I get that, but he was trying to kill me. It's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. But it is what it is. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, that's an insane thing. Like, that's that's a crazy thing to consider, actually. I've never even thought of that because, yeah, like, in my level of fighting, it's like you go as hard as you can and finish the fight as soon as it's is possible. Yeah. Just fucking get in there and get exactly. the job done. Yeah. I've never even thought of that, like, to have to strategize it. There is something cool. You might be able to elucidate me on this because I've only seen Sylvie talk about it in a video. It's about the fifth round walk uh, dance-off. Yeah. Do you know what I'm kind of saying? Do. I don't know a huge amount about it, but what I do know is Thailand round four is the money round. Okay. So I've had fights before where I've won the first three rounds lost the fourth, and then came back in the fifth, and I've lost the fight. Oh, wow. Because of the betting. Okay. So although, like, you you win the you probably win the fight, but you've lost that money round, which is the betting round, so... Okay. Yeah. So I think, like, when they, when they know that there's a winner, there's no point in inflicting any more damage on each other. There's nothing that can happen. Mm. So they just kind of dance around, touch gloves, fake a few things, and eventually they'll call the fight off early. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And do you know what I think is kind of nice about that? I've, I really appreciated this concept, and I wanted to kind of understand it a bit better before I spoke too much about it. But there's something I think that tends to happen in the West where we've sort of bastardized the concept of respect in combat sports. Yeah. Do you know? Like, because it's all about you, the self, getting money, getting bigger, getting cooler. And, yeah. I, I mean, Conor McGregor... At, People can say whatever the fuck they want to say about him as a human being. I don't know anything about him as a person, but I just found that so despicable. Yeah, he's witty and he's entertaining, but it's like that is not martial arts. At what cost? Yes, exactly. You normalize that behavior. Exactly. For me, 
I'm a fan of McGregor in terms of what he can do as an athlete. Yeah. His striking for MMA and his timing and everything else. Like, he is... He's a hard worker. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And uh, in fairness to him, he did change the game. Mm. In my opinion, he changed it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Changed it the wrong way. Um, so for me, growing up in a martial arts environment my entire life was always about respect, compassion, humility, discipline, honor. Yes. And I feel like now with the Western market, to be able to to sell more tickets, it's it's about insulting one another and spitting on each other at press conferences and weigh-ins and, and pushing and shoving and and it's like and it's not all of them, you know. It is predominantly the North American market, and I get that. Um, but then you see guys like BJ Penn and Clay Guida last week. They were shaking hands and hugs at the weigh-in, and there was yeah. there was none of that, and they still fought their ass off on fight night. To me, that's what that's what martial arts and combat sports is about, you know. Um, but I guess everyone's different, you know. I know guys that need to build up an absolute hate for someone before they can step in the ring with them. Whereas I'm the opposite. I'd rather be friends with someone when I step in there, and I, and I do my best work like that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because you're coming from a different place, I think, and I and I feel like that's kind of that mentality that. If there's already a winner, neither one of us need to inflict more damage on the on the other just for the sake of, you know, like that thing where someone's always like, finish it, finish it, finish it. And it's like, if you don't have to, you don't need to. You know yeah. what I mean? Just do your job. Bring the best out in that person. You've done your work. For sure. And then if you maim someone and they can't fight for six months and they can't feed their family because they don't, that's how they get their money. It's like, well, who won that? Do you know what I mean? Really? What was the point? I remember years ago I fought on the Sunshine Coast. It was on the show Detonation. It's not around anymore. And uh, it was for a Queensland Pro title. And I fought a guy called Joel Anderson. It was the second time that we fought. And it was his hometown. And uh, our game plan, because we knew that he was a big power puncher, and he likes to bomb that overhand. So our game plan was all the way out or all the way in, meaning that if he throws that overhand, we'll step back and then counter, or we'll step inside that overhand and meet him with some elbows. So round one, ding, 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 touch gloves, move around, a couple of leg kicks. He threw a massive overhand. I stepped back. He missed. Second one he threw, I stepped in and I caught him with an upward elbow. Cut him. Pretty badly. And uh, blood was like pouring down his face. And he was like putting his hands up, looking at me as if to say, like, hang on, I can't see. And the ref was saying, fight. And I was looking at the ref. I was like, what? So anyway, the ref stopped it, went and wiped his face. This is all in the first 30 seconds. Wow. The fight started again and the, the blood was just still going in his eye. And Joel is a tough kid, like, he, he's got no quit in him, but he just, he physically couldn't see. Mm. And he's, like, looking at me, and he's kind of, like, half throwing his jab and, like, squinting and, like, putting his hands up as if to say, I can't see. And the ref, like, is almost telling me off for not, yeah, for for not, not fighting. Because I'm looking at the ref, looking at him, like, motioning with my arms to say, like, are you sure about this? I'm, I'm going to hurt. I, like, yeah. I was well within my rights to step straight into him with another elbow and knock him clean off his feet. Mm. But the, the fight was won. Yeah. I didn't need to do that. The fight was stopped, you know? Yeah. I mean, okay, the fans might have loved it. But as it turned out, I got booed. When they put the belts on me, they booed me. Now, I don't know if they were booing me because I beat their homeboy yeah. or if they were booing me because I didn't step in and knock him out when he was bleeding and he couldn't see. But he was basically verbally like submitting almost to say, look, I just can't see a yeah. thing. Yeah. And I always remember that thinking, like, and then we fought again. We, we rematched on Evolution and then we put on a five-round fight and it was awesome. You yeah, know? cool. Um, and now we're mates and we see each other out and we'll talk, whatever else. But I always remember thinking, like, what did they want me to do there? Did they want me to, like, leave him face down on the canvas when he couldn't see? I'd already 
stepped into him with an elbow and inflicted damage. There's blood and I, I just, yeah. Yeah, it's a gross thing, man. Like, and I think that a lot of that stems from the sort of lack of experience of that sensation of that feeling like when it's the same as anything like being too far removed from it because we are so desensitized to shit that we see on tv or you know like this big glorification of the hero the warrior that stands on top of somebody else you know like in in the eastern kind of philosophy it's a little bit more you both draw the best out in each other mutual respect as best as you can and then you go your separate ways and live your own life and for us it's all about the hero the individual pull yourself up by your bootstraps be the toughest cunt in the street or whatever and that thing like that moment that happens i think it's because people don't actually realize what the reality of a situation would be if he was face down i, I think on the i think you're dead right i think they have detached the fact that it's two people in there yes and it's two people's sons it's two people's partners it's yeah. friends it's they're real people and i yeah. think it's easy and you see a lot of that particularly now like with the ufc and things like that that it's easy to forget that these people are real people oh, and man. they like they they endure the same damage as somebody that gets sucker punched in the street for example you yeah know? um you feel like you've been in a car accident after a fight yeah and i, <laughs> and I think and I think for a lot of people that watch fighting, they, they've never they've never trained and they've never really been involved in a fight, so they don't mm. understand. Like a friend of mine said to me years ago that he didn't think that a leg kick would really hurt that much, and he wasn't being a smartass, but he was like, I mean, I think the closest he'd come to having a leg kick was when he got into a schoolyard scrap with someone mm. that's got no idea. And yeah. it's like, so when you see people kicking legs, they just go, oh, just ignore it and punch off it. But it's not that simple, you know what I mean? Um, so I think. I think you're, you're pretty much on the money there. There's like this detachment from reality when people are watching combat sports. That So they want to see this guy face down on the canvas, bleeding out of his eye socket. Yeah, and, you know, and, and if they if it actually happened and they saw that, like have you ever been to a fight like that where somebody like actually gets KO'd in a really horrific way? Yeah. It, the whole room goes quiet. Exactly. Like people cheer for a second because it's kind of exciting. And then it's like the this cloud of realization of humanity comes back into yeah. everybody. Everyone 100%. gets this like weird bloodlust when they're watching a thing. And then after it's over, everyone's kind of like, you just get a bit sick. It's really hard to watch. And then you see this person who was a gladiator minutes yeah. before stumbling to stand up, you know, like hanging off of their trainer and they can't yeah. see straight. And it's like, damn, that, that I, I mean, it's it, there's something kind of beautiful about that, this like extremes of human nature that we can watch in a nine-minute period, yeah. you know? When I knocked out Tom Matsua on uh, Siam Pro, uh, I hit him with this massive spin elbow that my elbow still hurts to this day. <laughs> I hit him that hard. <laughs> oh, fuck. And uh, he was a, a fighter that I respected so much that so when I got offered the opportunity to fight him, I jumped at it. Mm. And uh, I knocked him out, and my first like reaction was, yes, knockout. But then they like, giving him a count, and they got to about six, and I was like, oh, hang on a minute. He was still, like, completely lifeless. And I just started to, like, start to feel sick. Yeah. And then the longer it took for him to, to come back around, and, like, there's pic a picture somewhere of, like, as soon as the eight count was waved off, I didn't even celebrate with my team. I just ran straight to where he was in the neutral uh -huh. corner and kneeled down next to him until he came good. And, yeah. uh so you're right it's like this like it's a weird feeling that when you're in there you want to win by knockout because it's the ultimate way to win but then when you do it's the same when I knocked out Harley Averson on CMT with a, a head kick 
while they were counting, I was going, don't you dare get back up. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then I was like... Oh, fuck, please get up. Yeah, get up. You know what I mean? It was like... <laughs> yeah. that, and it was like that split second from as soon as the ref says the fight's over, you go... Well, I do anyway. I, I switch straight into... It's like it's a weird sort of like, almost like an alter ego type thing that when you fight, mm-hmm. and then so it's like as corny as it sounds, like I'm the dragon when I fight, and then it's like as soon as the, the ref waves it, I'm back to being Elliot again, mm. and I don't want to see anyone ever get hurt. It makes me f- feel sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is coming from someone that sees people hit each other all day in a gym. We have the fights playing on the TV in the gym. It's like, and I've done it my whole life so like i admit i'm desensitized to seeing people get hit and knocked out some people they find it really like they they like squirm but for me i just go oh, okay yeah but it's a, such a different thing when you know that you're the one that caused it at the same time wow yeah, yeah. man i bet yeah that's a sobering feeling it is yeah. interesting it's like the adrenaline when you're about to do something that intense switches off all of your uh, rational thinking faculty and then as soon as that cloud gets lifted as soon as like the the it's not necessary for you to have that adrenaline adrenaline in you yeah you're absolutely right you it's like, like that become fight or flight again. response it's like if you're getting attacked like if someone broke into your house and you were cutting onions in the kitchen and they broke into your house and came running at you nine 99% of people are going to turn around and stab that person <laughs> that 99% of people would never stab anyone in their entire life but it's yeah. that and then as soon as they've done it and the the immediate threat is over, they're going to go, holy, what what did I just do? Yeah. What you know, and it's like happen? that self-preservation. But then, that, like you said, it's that sobering feeling of, I've just done this. But then there's also the, man, that could be me next time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And you'd want the whoever's done it to, to not be carrying on like a pork chop <laughs> you know what I mean it's yeah, like yeah. It's a, yeah and you yeah. need to stop it before it becomes you you're you're so right and that's a funny thing like oh I I wonder about that all the time like I think it's actually amazing how seven billion people operate like this you know like that you and I can sit here at the back of a cafe not expecting someone to come and hit us in the head with a sledgehammer yeah, do you know what I mean like we course. all operate together I was just talking about this yesterday with a friend like we all just observe the road rules and I get in the road. If I didn't trust that other people were going to do the right thing in their day-to-day existence, I would like just die of paranoia. Of course. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't yeah. leave your house. If we understood the fragile nature of the balance of our existence, yeah. you know, like when you think about it too much, it just sends you spinning. It does. Yeah. That's... And, and so what's kind of crazy about it is that we train ourselves to get up to that level. And you've gotten to this level on, on such an extreme high that, like, I was curious about this, that you said that you kind of, like, developed this mind state of push through no matter what, that you have developed this kind of, like, mental fortitude. And I'm curious, like, obviously it must have come from your dad growing up, but where did this stuff come from and what did you have to work on to get that right? That's a very tough question. Yeah, I it's, mean, because it's probably been in you for as long as you can remember. Yeah, and I, and I think somewhat there's at the level that that, that we're at, at, at like this, like uh, fighting for these major organizations, you have you had to have been through that at some point in your career. Yeah. You had to have been through the hardest times of your life, mm. right? Whether it's from a physical standpoint or a med- uh, mental. So I think it's one of those things that it's – I don't think you can set out and say, okay, I'm going to do this to develop my mental toughness. Right. I think it's just 
you either have it or you don't for a start and you find out pretty quickly if you don't. Mm. And if you do have it, I don't think you pay that much attention to it. Is it? Yeah, so it's like, yeah, like it, a natural, like an athlete. It's like a athlete. subconscious type, you mm. know, like, so I fought a Portuguese fella, um, Bruno Cavallo in 2014, on a show Legacy at Eaton's Hill. And uh, it was the worst fight in my career, well, one of. And, uh, but in, in so many other ways, it's probably my favorite fight of my career at the same time. So he broke my eye socket in two places in the first round Jesus. with a Superman downward elbow. Um, he gave me 27 stitches in my face. So he cut me through my eyebrow and below my eye. I couldn't see anything out of the eye that socket that was broken. And then he cut me a, like in my hairline, which then bled into my other eye. I couldn't see anything. And he hit me with a jump turning back kick in the second round, which, uh, like cracked my sternum. And, I was, I was in the wars, like everything was hurting and my face was like, the only way I could describe it was like there was, so the bone had broken in one place and a piece of it, so it snapped clean in half and a piece had actually chipped off and it was like almost like sticking out from the skin, but it actually hadn't pierced the skin. Oh my um, God. And the other two were like the same thing. So it was almost like there was three nails right underneath my skin and if I put pressure on it, it felt like it was just going to pop through. Yeah. And, uh, and someone's just punching you repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> so, th- like Fuck that. Hell. But because of where it broke, it actually broke over where the nerve came out of the bone. So, I had severe nerve damage at the same time. So, the only way I could describe the pain was like somebody had like put three nails under my skin and poured acid over my face. Oh, it my was the God. most excruciating pain. And this was round one, maybe round two. I can't remember. It was Fuck. early in the fight. Yeah. And, uh, then he hit me with that turning back kick and I just couldn't get a breath in for the rest of the fight. And uh, then he cut me and whatever else. But I finished the fight. I fought five rounds. Fuck. And I remember in the fifth round, I was holding my glove up against my face, which I couldn't even let it touch my skin because it hurt that much. And uh, he jabbed my glove. And my glove hit me in the face. And the pain was that intense. Even the promoter said to me afterwards, he watched it, saw me grimace for as long as I could stand it. And then I took a knee. It was in the fifth round. Mm. And uh, as the ref gave me a count, he said to me, stay away from him for the rest of the fight. I'll let you finish the fight, but don't engage. Just shuffle around him. It was like a minute and a half left or whatever it was, maybe a minute. So I said, yeah, okay, ref. And I remember I thought I've got two choices. I can either run or I can stand in the middle and I can cover that as best as I can and I can just swing. So pretty much I (laughs) stood there in the middle, called him on, not called him on like, like, as he came out, I like mm. looked at him. He looked at me. I planted my foot in the middle of that ring, and I just swung as hard as I could, Fuck. nonstop for thirty seconds. And the whole time, I was thinking, all I needed to do, right from when he like when my face broke, all I needed to do is put my right hand on his chin once. Yeah. If I could put my right hand on his chin once, I'll I'll win this fight. And uh, to be fair, like looking back at it, like I, I fought an okay fight, all things considered. There's there no way of, of me winning that unless I landed that right hand, which is pretty slim considering <laughs> I had a broken sternum and a broken face and whatever else. And he was a seven-time world Thai boxing champion. Yeah. But after the fight, I was really proud of the fact that I wouldn't give up. Yeah. And I was all, in my mind, I thought, that's all I need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, like you hear people say it like, you want to beat me, you're going to have to kill me to beat me. That was literally the mentality that I had. I wow. had too much too much to stand up for 
to just go out. Oh yeah, and just tap out, you know. Yeah. Um, all all the time that I feel like I can physically stand, I'll be I'll be there fighting. At the times like when I physically can't stand, then obviously there's nothing you can do. But yeah, there's while I'm there mentally and physically, then you got like. And he knew. Even he said to me afterwards, he said, "Man, some of those punches that you were throwing, he said, I knew how much damage I'd done to you." Yeah. In his broken English, he said, "But I knew that if you hit me with one of those." It could change everything. Fuck. And, uh, That's amazing. That's yeah. a crazy thing about this sport is that anything can change at any second. Exactly. Like you could be yeah. that much, that fucked and then just get lucky. Not even lucky. I mean, just have the strength to land yeah. that one shot that does it. But um, so do you experience doubt then or do you experience that feeling of like, oh, fucking give up? Like, does that voice ever occur in your uh, head? Of course. Anyone that says that that doesn't, they're, they're lying. Yeah. Or they're mental. <laughs> yeah. yeah they're, um, definitely. There's always that. It pops up. It's human nature. You know what I mean? Like there's self-preservation. But then it, I guess it What does your brain to, do Yeah, I guess it comes happens. down to like what do, you, what do you define as self-preservation? Is that, you know, making sure that you're physically intact or mentally intact? Because if I quit, for me, that's not. That's not self-preservation because that's going to eat eat me up yeah, for the next man. however long. So for me, like yeah, for sure. Like when it when he hit me with that turning back kick and I couldn't breathe, the option was there and there was one one voice saying just stay down, ride it out, and the other voice was saying no way, man. All you got to do is get up and finish the round. Yeah, you've lost this round. You're not going to get this round back, but then there's next round mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll regroup, get back to my corner. We'll regroup and then we'll we'll win the next round. Yeah, wow. And and that to me was more important, especially when I've got my family watching, friends, people around the world. That self-preservation for me was my pride, which most people would say is stupid. But people that would say that that's stupid, they don't have a fighter's mindset or a warrior spirit. For them, that's that, that's stupid. But maybe they're the people that are safer sat at a desk all day. That's their, that's the life that they've chosen. Yeah, yeah. This is the life that I've chosen. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, yeah, I mean, you're a professional through and through of what you do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I've got scars and reasonably injury free. Um, and maybe when I'm 50 or 60, things will come back to haunt me. But why live 50 or 60 years worried about what's going to happen in the next 50 or 60 years? You know what mm. I mean? I just mm. I live for the moment. And in that moment, I, there was no way that I was going to quit. Yeah, well. Yeah, so. That's incredible, man. Yeah, that takes adds a whole different kind of human being. And again, you know, like like what I was saying about Albert Tua, like the way he walks is a different kind of animal. I mean, what yeah. you've got, the composition inside your brain is a different animal. For you know? sure. And that's a good, it's amazing that you actually have a, an opportunity to do a job that like works that way yeah. for you. Because I can imagine you sitting at a desk and you <laughs> fucking shoot someone. Oh, for sure. Yourself. Been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh I, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a crazy life, but I love it. Uh, like the thought of, somebody asked me recently, what, what would you do if someone took fighting or martial arts away from you? And my answer was, you could never take this away from me. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about it is like when you have this kind of mentality 
uh, and this mindset that you've developed, you really can apply it to anything. Like, exactly. Because life is always going to be coming and going. Weird shit happens. Things fall apart. You know, like you've had a pretty hectic week. Your last month's been pretty chaotic. And it's like you would just take whatever you've learned in the ring, that thing to back yourself, that thing to push through, and you make it work in other areas. So, yeah, like, like it's infinite the amount that you can grow in general in life. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I, like it, sometimes it feels exhausting to me where you, where it's like, I'm never going to get to that point where I finally go, ah, oh, I'm here now. I'm done. You know, like, because there, there, it seems like no matter where you get to, no matter what level you get to, there's always something more to be working on. That's what drives me. Yeah. That's, that's what gets me. Like, you ask all the guys, they're like, when I haven't fought in a while or whatever, like they say to me, like, man, why don't you just take a couple of days off? And I say, because I know come next fight night, when, when the going gets tough, I'll go, shouldn't have taken those three days off. Mm. To me, it's like, the, it's, no matter what it is that I do in life, whether it's my career in terms of professional fighting, whether it's being a trainer, whether it's a businessman, whether it's a husband, whether it's anything, I have to be better today than I was yesterday. Yeah, Because if I'm not, then I'm not progressing. And there's no such thing as staying stationary. You're either going Mm. backwards or you're going forwards. Mm. So all the time that I'm not going forwards, I'm going backwards. Mm. And to me, like that just, that that gives me anxiety thinking about that. I can't. Stagnation. Yeah. I mean. Wow. I can't even really put it into words, I guess. But that, that's my biggest fear in life is going backwards. So. Yeah. That's amazing, man. So this is really, really interesting that. Because, like, looking at you and talking to you, you're like, you're a fucking warrior and you're strong and you're so, like, everyone would look at you and be like, you are so brave. But isn't that amazing? When you actually put it in that context, fear drives you as much as anybody else, but it's a totally different kind of fear. Of course. It's how <laughs> That's you, incredible. It's how you use that fear. So, yeah. like, I was trying to explain this to one of the younger guys that I train. And uh, I actually, I keep, like, a... Not a journal, but like I, I write like a book and it's kind of like my way of intellectualizing my thoughts and my mindset mm-hmm. and I don't plan on doing anything with it. It's purely just for me and I've never really shown anybody, but the, the way that I can describe how I use my fear is a lot of people have this fear of losing and I used to have this fear of losing and I've found that when I have this fear of losing, I never did my best work. I'd always, like in my fights, I'd fight not to lose. I would never fight to win. Mm. And that's a big problem in the fight game. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, man. The thing that I found, like I had to discover early in my career was it wasn't so much a fear of losing that I I have now. It's more so the fear of not giving my best. Yes. Because if I give my best and I lose, then I'll shake the other guy's hand and he was better than me that night. Maybe next time I'll get him. Maybe we'll fight a hundred times and he'll beat me a hundred times. Maybe he's just a better athlete, a better fighter, whatever, than I am. So for me, my my fear is not giving a hundred percent of myself, a hundred percent of my team and not showcasing everything that we can do in that ring or cage or whatever it is. That's my biggest fear. And uh, I think once I, once I worked that out in my career, things changed for me. So now like people say to me, you're like, if I lose or whatever and I, I, I'm okay with it, they go, oh, you, you seem to take a loss pretty well. I mean, a loss kills me. Don't get me wrong. I hate it. But if I know I've given my best, then there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. If I've half trained and I got in there and I only used half of my arsenal and I wasn't as fit as I should have been, I wasn't in as good condition or 
whatever it is, then that's what will kill me. Because then I know it, I've brought it on myself. If the other guy's better than me, he's better than me. I can't help that. Yeah. You know what I mean, I'll get him next time or I'll use that to fuel my progression. Okay, well, he did this and he did that and he beat me. So maybe I have a hole in my game here or maybe it may be a stroke of luck or maybe it's just a freak shot or whatever it was. But if I know that I've prepared to the best of my ability, mentally I'm at the best of my ability and I step in that ring cage or whatever on competition day and I do the best that I can physically and mentally do and I don't give up and I give it everything and I win, awesome. If it's a first round knockout, then I'm obviously on a whole other level than the, than the guy that I just fought. But if I lose, obviously he's a few steps ahead of me. That's okay, yeah. I'll catch up. It's all yeah. right, I'll get there. You know what I mean? This is a journey. Yeah, like the destination will take care of itself if you focus on making sure that you take each step on your journey. Eventually, you'll get to the destination that you're chasing. Losing sucks, and I hate it, but I have. I, I think that you should look at everything from a positive point of view. If you lose a fight and you sit in the dressing room crying your eyes out, being rude to your trainer and throwing a hissy fit, not talking to your training partners for two weeks and being mm. grumpy and miserable... That's not going to change your record. That's not going to change the outcome of the fight. Yeah. All that's going to do is prolong the, well, sorry, delay your progression from that. Losing is a learning experience. Winning is a learning experience. And most people, I think, well, this is me anyway, when I win, I still look back at all the things that I did wrong. I don't just go, oh, yeah, look what I did. I'm awesome. Yeah. I still go, yeah, it was good, but still need a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So by letting a, a loss affect your life for a month or six weeks or you know some people will like end up rock bottom from it but for me that doesn't make any sense if i lose like for example when i lost to cosmo alexandra on my one debut the next morning i was begging my dad to, to go and train because like, i like i've got to use this to my advantage i've got to get better i can't let that happen again yeah wow I mean, he refused to train me said i need to rest but in the end i went and swam laps in the pool that day i just had to do something because i need to get better as a result of that there's yeah. no point sitting there wallowing in self pity. That's not going to do anyone any favors. Yeah, I so. mean, yeah, that's an Im- that's uh, yeah an impressive mindset to have, man. And it's a good thing. Like, it's no wonder you've achieved what you've achieved because of that. And you're right. Like, I think this is a this is a very valuable piece of information for fucking anybody in any in any endeavor that they're doing. Is that you were talking about self preservation before, and it's like the difference between preserving yourself or the image of yourself in front of other people versus preserving your actual self, the actualization of yourself, your self-growth. That should be our number one priority is how can I become constantly the best version of myself possible, not the best looking version of myself. Of or the the like, because I think about this all the time. Like last night I was talking about doing that karaoke. So I'm, I've got this thing in my head that I want to uh, start pursuing more live, doing more live um, gigs uh, out in front of other people, talking on stage a lot more. And I've got a real bad fear of the stage yeah. being in front of people. I really froth on it, like I really enjoy it when it happens, but I've got the, this gnarly resistance uh, leading up to it. And it is, it's pure self-preservation. I want this image to stay as it is. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of other people. And so last night we're up in a 
place where no one's ever going to see me again. I don't know a single one of these people. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Like, what happens? It doesn't matter. And still, that resistance was so strong. Like, don't embarrass yourself. You're an idiot. You're a fuckwit. And so then I go there, and to, in order to preserve myself, I am really clammed up. I'm just barely singing the words, just getting them out. No relaxation. No fun with it because I'm trying too hard to yeah. be a something that I can't be. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not a singer, but I went there... T- like, instead of just embracing exactly where I'm at and giving it my best shot, yeah, I do this self-preservation thing. And, I mean, granted, it was good that I just did something stupid like that just for the sake. Like, I'm so proud of myself for actually just walking up there and beating that one little step of resistance. But there are so many levels to this, as you say. It's, it's not just good enough to do the thing. Yeah, 100%. It's like, how can I do this thing the best way possible? Yeah, definitely. Wow, man. Oh, that was so cool. I I don't know how long we've been talking for, but we probably need to... Oh, yeah, shit. Let you get back to your life and me go back to work. Yeah, right. That was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Where can people find you if they want to watch more of what you do or train? or? You can find me across all social media channels. Type in Elliot Compton. Uh, You can find me at my gym, Team Compton Training Center in Auckland Brisbane. Type it into Google and you'll find it. Um... Yeah, what? pretty much on the internet is probably the easiest way to find me. Cool, man. And you got any fights coming up? Working on it at the moment. Yeah, yeah. exciting. Well, so. we'll keep it posted then. Yeah, we'll do. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot. That was Elliot Compton. You can find him at Elliot Compton on Facebook or Compton Training Center in Brisbane at comptontrainingcenter.co or Compton Training Center on Instagram and Facebook. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. If you like this podcast or any of the other podcasts, please share it with your friends. Tell other people. Like it on iTunes, Facebook, Spotify, whatever. All of those things. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.